Welcome to another episode of the Grit Per 60 podcast, birthday edition. As of this recording, it is my birthday. My name is Connor Farrell. You can call me TC. Um, and I am joined from Utah by Trent Crims Understudy. Hey, everybody. Uh, I'm Brendan, also known as TCJ. Connor, how are you? How's your birthday going? Pretty good. I mean, the Flyers lost last night, so that's a downer. USF lost on Thursday, and Liverpool drew, so sports-wise, not great. But honestly, having a good time. I was going to say, outside of, the, uh, time. outside of the Liverpool draw, I was going to say that you know things are about yeah. par for the course for you so far. And the Jaguars haven't played yet, so... So there's still there's still time for us to lose to a Geno Smith team. Won't that be fun? Um, I I know I was talking to, to our friend Vinny about this um, yesterday. Um, this feels like a game the Jaguars should win, which is why they probably won't. But we're not here to talk about American football. We're here to talk about British football. No. Um, we're here to talk about the ice sport, right? So how, before we get into that, how, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Um, it's been, yeah, it's been an interesting week, but hanging in there. I guess we have to address this here. Um, yeah. So the report on the Chicago Blackhawks has come out, um, regarding sexual assault. Um, and uh, I'll be the first to tell you that my Brendan and I are not uh, not necessarily qualified to go on record discussing uh, anything sexual assault related. It's just not where we have um, any sort of personal experience with dealing with or talking about. Um, I will like, but I will say what stands out to me the most is the priorities of the Chicago Blackhawks organization in 2010 was not on the health and safety of their players. It was on winning. And that's maybe the most upsetting thing to come out of this is not being able to trust your employer and an an employer that is in many ways different from the type of employers that a lot of people deal with like this is like playing for the chicago blackhawks or playing in the chicago organization is very very different on numerous levels from whatever nine to five office job or whatever you know whatever company you say that claims to have oh we're a family company we have a family atmosphere well when you play a sport for them um and again i have no professional experience with this but the uh the outlook from the outside looking in you have to have a different level of trust with these people that you work with than you would um working an office job nine to five and to see that completely shattered and to watch that interview with kyle beach who is so so brave and being like i don't know how to talk about that kind of thing with people that i'm close to much less talk about that kind of thing on camera in front of a national audience. That's incredible. 
and the fact that he it's from the interview it sounds like he bears some sort of weight from other people that might have been affected by this are you kidding me you're the last person that should feel any sort of like any sort of guilt i guess is the word i'm looking for um yeah i just i'm at that those are sort of my overall thoughts i didn't come up with any sort of prepared statement but um that's sort of what i feel like needs to be discussed the the priorities of the 2010 chicago blackhawks hockey team the the number of people that came together and collectively decided to shelf this for a few weeks and then in that few weeks have another person get assaulted are you kidding yeah like i was going to say that like the thing that really bothers me about the entire situation well a lot of things bother me but like just how so many people just seem to drop the ball on so many different aspects of things. Um, and there were no like repercussions until like this week. And I, I just can't believe how much like the Chicago Blackhawks let Kyle beach down, um, how much like the league let them down, how much the NGLPA let them down. It's, it's disheartening. Like it's, it's tough. It's really, really hard to read about. There are so many things like I'm, I'm thinking of like three different things that I want to yell at or yell about in this segment. And I don't know if any of them have really, really hit the point home. Like the fact that Aldrich, when he decided that he wasn't going to be a part of the Blackhawks investigation, which came up with nothing, um, he got his playoff bonuses. He got severance pay. He got his day with the cup and all that. Like that's infuriating to me. The fact that the Chicago Blackhawks only got, even after this report, only got a $2 million fine, which sounds like a lot, but for a club like the Chicago Blackhawks is not a lot. I mean, it's not nothing, but it's like maybe the next thing up from nothing. Yeah. And the the response from Kevin Chevaldeoff's office in Winnipeg was basically we're you know basically oh kyle beach was so brave he's a hero and i am uh, appreciative of getting to meet gary bettman and talk about culture and that sort of thing and then that was it it was two short paragraphs neither of which have any sort of accountability or any sort of apology yeah i, I did anyone did any player come out worse than Jonathan Taze though? Oh I mean, like as the captain of that team, like you bear some kind of responsibility yeah. and just everything that came out of Jonathan Taze's mouth was just worse than the previous thing. Like it was just, I mean, it was bad. It was just, it was just completely embarrassing. Yeah. And it's, and it goes back to what you were saying earlier, the number of times that the NHL has failed Kyle Beach and the number of times the Chicago Blackhawks organization has failed this man and people around the NHL has failed this man. Like, are you like, and I'm sorry, I'm getting like a thousand thoughts all at one time um, as happens with ADHD. Um, 
and, and for people that say, well, how can a guy like Brad Aldrich, who's not very big, take advantage of a, a big, mean old hockey player? It's not about size or physical strength. This is a power dynamic situation. It, as a practicing Catholic, it, rem it reminds me of what um, came out about the McCarrick report and how he would take advantage of his power structure within the church um, and because he, he can control their lives. That's, that's the bottom line is Brad Aldridge saw an opportunity to control someone's life and he did and took advantage of it. It's not about physical strength. If you think this is about physical strength, that's not what happened. Yeah, exactly. That's I was thinking the exact same thing. Like there was a quote from like some insider mentioned how like an NHL source told them that um oh it might have been Rick Westhead. Um was like basically made that argument of like how did this happen when he's so big and strong? It's like that has nothing to do with it. Yeah. Yeah, you get into it with a coach, like there goes your career. Like even like <laughs> I was thinking about this and I don't, I've never been inside any sort of NHL or even, even amateur level hockey front office to know exactly what kind of influence a video analyst would have or a video, um, video coach would have. But I was thinking about, well, if he's the video guy, he could cut up the highlights probably and edit it in such a way that is unflattering. And it seems like a lower level position, but I can imagine a someone who's still trying to make his way into the NHL, seeing this coach and seeing how this guy could have influence on his career for years to come. Even though it's not like it's not like the assistant coach, it's not like the head coach, but it's definitely still a guy with influence. Yeah, plus um um Brad Aldrich's dad was um, the Sharks like equipment coach, I think for a long mm -hmm. time. So, um, you know, th there are those kind of connections that he has too. So, but anyway, we did at least want to mention it a bit because again, neither one of us is particularly well equipped to talk about it, but to kind of ignore it would be even worse. Yeah. Um, and I had more to say, but I forgot what it was. Well, let's go to the Jets because the Jets are kind of involved here. Jeez, how do you... <sighs> okay, go to the Jets. I just... I okay. struggle to transition away from that into... Well, no, because I'm kind of not. Okay. Um, I mean, I thought it was pretty ridiculous that uh, Kevin Shettle Day off got to keep his job. Mm -hmm. I mean, just plain and simple, like, I mean, it seems like he knew about it and was complicit in the whole thing. And he's still the general manager of the Winnipeg Jets. Like the fact that he's still there and Quinville or resigned is mm. jarring. Yeah, and and, and I, got, I listen. None of this has anything to do with the on ice results, really. But if you look at those two guys. Which one is having more success on the ice? Well, yeah. I mean, like Joel Quenville, who's been at his job for what, a year and a half, two years, maybe, maybe. 
Yeah. Versus Shevel Dayoff, who's been at his job for what, five, six years? Um, I think he's been the GM there ever since they moved to uh, Winnipeg. For forever. Yeah. Right. And he still somehow has his job and gave a weak ass statement about the situation versus Joel Quenville, who did he resign on his own power or did Florida come to him and say, hey, I don't, I don't know. Either way. Yeah, I'm not sure which way it was, but um, yeah. Um, and then, yeah. It's heavy, man. There's so much to get into that. I, I recommend everybody go watch watch the interview with, with Kyle Beach. Um, it's very powerful. It's very emotional. Um, maybe use discretion if you have um, younger ones in the house. Maybe have a conversation with them about serious topics. Um, but it's definitely something that people should go and watch and learn from. Learn about the power that um, the power of having a support network is very apparent in that interview. Having people that you can go and talk to, regardless of how it can affect your job, but more or less of having people that can be there to be your crutch. I, I see with with that interview is very like you listen to Kyle Beach and he's very grateful to have those people in his life. Um, he's very grateful for the people that were in the building and did stand up for him and did what they could for him. I think that was very powerful. Um, but there is a lot that even without having any sort of, like, even if you, if it was something, if it was about any other struggle that people go through, there's a lot that you can draw from, from that interview. Um, and I'm not saying that you should ignore this sexual assault part of that, because that is definitely part of the conversation, but um, definitely go and watch that. We are, I don't know how <laughs> we're going to try to um, transition into talking about on ice stuff, because that's what, that's why we did this podcast is to talk about, you know, things that are, you know, fun. And that's why we, that's why, that's why hockey has the power that it does. That's why hockey has this platform to talk about sexual assault is because of this on ice stuff and winning wins and losses and scoring and goal scoring. But when things go as bad as it did in Chicago, you have to talk about it. Um, so I'm going to try to transition away from it um, and talk about the Florida Panthers. Oh, wait. Uh, so... Brennan, please help me. Yeah. So uh, it is interesting to see where the Panthers go from here in terms of just being on ice because, oh. I mean, really, we're talking about a team that hasn't won a playoff series since the Clinton administration, right? Um, and here they are with, like, the greatest start in franchise history, and we're all just kind of going, okay, but what now? Like, you're 8-0-1, which is just, like, any other team would take that in a heartbeat, but now it's like, okay, well, your love coach just resigned. Yeah. But now your coach just resigned and you know, where do they go from here is the, is the question. 
What an interesting position for interim head coach Andrew Burnett. On the one hand, your boss was just fired due to, uh, well, not fired, resigned, whatever. I don't know exactly the, the details on that situation, but um, your head coach has lost his job based on um, sexual assault circumstances surrounding sexual assault. Um, but on the other hand, you have inherited a team that's playing some of the most exciting hockey in the country. Some would say the most exciting hockey in the country. And by the way, your biggest rival isn't playing very well right now. And you've got a real shot to not only make the playoffs, but also win the division. Just don't break anything. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it is a weird situation for them to be in, but I mean, so far on the ice, like they've just looked so good. Uh, I mean, again, like they're eight Oh and one they're, you know, seventh in the league and expected goals for Sergei um, Bobrovsky is bouncing back. He looks really good. Mm-hmm. And um, they've been like dominating possession. Like it's just, it, it, you know, it, would you say yeah. Burkowski is underrated? Sorry. What? <laughs> You say Barkovsky? Are you just combining them into one player? Yes. Um, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. I would never say that. <laughs> How good does that that Sam Bennett acquisition look at this point? I feel like such an idiot for that. Because <laughs> <laughs> at the time, I was like, dude, I probably even tweeted it from the account of like, I'm taking credit for that. Yeah. By the way, sure, whatever. I so, mentioned it, did I not? Oh, I, I mean, it I, happened. I believe you. I was just at the time. I was. I think I. I either said it or I texted somebody or I tweeted it, like, you know, like stop acquiring or stop acquiring actively bad players, because I mean, it wasn't actively bad before you came to it Florida. It wasn't great. You know, so it was just like, man, like that seemed like a lot to give up for for Sam Bennett at the time, but it's it's worked out really well. So between that and um, adding Sam Reinhardt and mm-hmm. um, Mackenzie Weger, just like turning into one of the best defensemen on the planet, um, yeah, things are coaching staff aside, things are going pretty well in Florida, I would say. Yeah, and they they're playing a bit, like, and I mentioned Bobrovsky, but even uh, Spencer Knight looks really good. As like they've got two good goalies, and any team with two good goalies is set. Yeah, exactly. Like you're not just dropping games because you've got your backup goalie in. So, plus Spencer Knight is super young, so it's really exciting to see that from him. I Googled Florida Panthers roster and Joe Thornton was the first player that come up. Yeah. I was going to say they've got a, they've got Joe Thornton there too, to help out with that fourth line. So it's almost, uh, yeah. I don't know. There, there are good reasons to root for the Panthers, despite everything that's going on. When, when did, um, when did Joe Thornton enter the league? Uh, he went straight into the league after being picked first overall in 1997. So. Oh, so Carter Verhage was two years old. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. 
Oh, Carter Hagee. I I just I just wanted to bring him up because he's been another one of those players that's like you mentioned uh Uyghur coming out of nowhere. Carter Hagee's the Ford equivalent of that, also playing with the Panthers. Just like, oh, he was he was good, but now he's great. Oh, he yeah. was at least he was at least league average and now he's great. Like he was just like a dude with the lightning, yeah. and then he signs a cheap deal with the Panthers. And he's just kill like, it. yeah, kill it. Like, I just don't understand like that kind of like glow up. I just, I don't, I don't get it. Like, I don't know where that comes from. No idea. No so yeah, idea. Panthers actually good. Panthers good. And again, we thought, everybody thought the lightning were going to go and win that division again. The lightning are struggling. And when the lightning are struggling, who fills that gap? The other team in the Sunshine State. Hockey's a southern sport, y'all. <laughs> and also, like, the Lightning are without maybe their best player for long term. Oh, yes. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a little tough to recover from, for sure. All right. Um, do you have anything else on the Panthers? No, that was all I had on the Panthers. <laughs> okay. I think uh, we talked we talked about a lot on the Panthers. Yeah. So um I did want to actually talk about uh well, I guess very interesting game the other night uh with uh or I guess last night uh for us. Yeah, the the Sharks and the Jets. Uh very interesting situation when the Sharks uh end up having, I believe, seven players out uh due to COVID. Um positive or seven, COVID protocol seven in the covid pro- protocol mm-hmm. um they Holy had <laughs> i believe of the like six defensemen that usually play for them they had two last night oh yeah it's yeah it's a little rough would not recommend um playing with that many defensemen like basically the sharks were playing like half of their ahl team last night and it was it was a very interesting game to watch because I think the Sharks realized, hey, like the average age of our roster tonight is like 22. Um, we're gonna go all gas, no breaks for 60 minutes and hope for the best. And well, like, yeah, and, and the Sharks were already pretty young, if I remember correctly. They already mm-hmm. had a lot of young players that, in a lot of different organizations, might still be in the AHL. Um, but the Sharks being where they are as a franchise needed them now. Um, and so to have seven players on COVID, pro- are they, do we expect all seven of those players to miss like two weeks? I don't know what the, I don't know what the protocol is, that but be- um, outside of um, Brent Burns and Mario Ferraro, they're, uh, defensemen were Jacob Magna, Nicholas Malach, uh, Ryan Merkley, and, Sant- and Santeri uh, Habica. You made that last one up. Did not. You made that. You know, he's, he's your Doug he's your, made that last one up. <laughs> he's, your, he's your typical like Doug Wilson special there. Like, <laughs> dude, you're like, that's not a real name. And then he goes into the Sharks lineup. And you went, like, okay. you, you went and you simulated a season of NHL and came up with the first name that came up on that draft board that is a made-up person yeah and like that's i mean for the most part like most of 
San Jose's lineup last night was um, homegrown. Like, you know, whether they're older or stuff. younger, um, like you've got some of the older guys like Hurdle, Meyer, and LeBanc who are, you know, drafted by the team and have been there ever since. You've got, um, you know, some other guys like William Mackland or John Leonard or Rudolph Spalsers who were originally drafted by the team. Um, guys like Balsers, Leonard, and um, who else played? Uh, I can't remember who else I was thinking of, but like they, they've got a, oh, I guess uh, Hattica or, you know, late round guys that the Sharks have hit on. So, um, you know, still plenty to improve on for the Sharks farm system. And they, those guys still have time to, to grow and they, they have, definitely have plenty of room to grow. But it's a very interesting game. Um, but it's also kind of weird that the Jets were just completely outplayed by a, you know, half of San Jose's AHL team. Yeah. I had something to say, but I forgot what it was. Um, Perfect. I love when that happens. Yeah, it's the best thing, you know? Oh, yeah. On a scale of one to ten, how excited are you for the Sharks' start to the season? Um, we'll go seven. Like it's nice to see that the Sharks are playing well this year. Kind of. Um, it's nice to see some of these younger guys kind of step up in the lineup and mm-hmm. um, get some more time. Like, you know, I don't know if they'll keep William Eklund the entire year, but it's 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 fun to see him get time with the big club. Why not um, keep him the entire year? Well, who, they, else, who else is going to play those minutes? Yeah, I would say with Evander Kane out, you really don't have a whole lot of will go firepower or creativity in your top six. Um, it kind of tells you where the Sharks are at right now. But um, if their, I think, 19-year-old first-rounder from this year doesn't stay with the big club, they've got a gaping hole in the top six. They kind of already have one. Um, but, yeah, it, it's rough. But it's good to see, um, you know, he didn't play um, the other night because of uh, COVID protocol, but, you know, Jonathan Dolan came over from Sweden and he's playing well. Um, You know, Timo Meyer looks like his 2018-19 self again. Uh, Really, I I think we talk about uh, Nick Ellers all the time. Mm -hmm. Timo Meyer's got to be up there when it comes to, like, the all-underrated NHL team, like, Nice. When Timo Meyer is on, he hasn't really been all that great the last couple of years, but when Timo Meyer is on, like he has been to start the year, the dude is just like a he's unbelievable. He's a big guy, he's got skill, he can shoot. He's, he's just a fun guy to watch. I don't know. Him and Hurdle together have been just awesome. Not then, so teenage mutant ninja hurdle. <laughs> yeah, the dude's like 27 now. That's still my favorite nickname. He's 20. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Still like my favorite nickname in all of sports. Teenage Beaten Ninja Hurdle. Exactly. It's so good. And now he's 27. Yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah, because I think he was almost 20 when uh, that game happened. Um, yeah. Yeah, when the four-way happened, and that was 2013. So, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. He's been in this league since 2013. Yeah, he turns 28 in November. That's so that doesn't oh, you say 2013 and I that mm, I don't like that. 
so uh, but it's interesting to see where the sharks go from here because i think like the best case for them is like making the playoffs and then i don't think they go anywhere after that and it's just like okay but what does that get you right get you some exciting hockey (laughs) yeah it's it's nice to uh watch the sharks and not have like impending dread like like i did the last couple of years where you know, I'm mean, just kind of happy to just turn the sharks on every once in a while or every other night, whenever they play and just, you know, watch some younger guys do well and hopefully win, you know, um, it helps not having Martin Jones in net anymore. And James Reimer has been one of the better goalies in the league for some reason. Um, but yeah, it's been fun so far. And playing in the Pacific division when the golden Knights are not playing well, they could make the playoffs. They could be a playoff team. Yeah, I want to. I do want to pump the brakes a little bit because we're only like eight games in here. Sure, but um, the they, they've been off to a pretty good start, and it's nice to see after the way the last couple of years have gone. But um, the, the thing is, like, nobody in the Pacific has gone off to like all that great of a start outside of Calgary and Edmonton. So yeah, doors wide open. Um, I, I, before we move on to something else, I, I do remember hearing somebody say that Eric Carlson looks like his old self. I don't know about do, that. Would you agree or disagree on that? I think he looks better than he did last year, but I think there's some, um, we'll go with PDO bias in that like the Sharks were shooting pretty well when he was on the ice. I think some of that was also like power play time. So like, you know, when you have a guy that has like almost a point per game or whatever, people go, Oh, he's back. And sometimes (laughs) it's like, yeah, but defensively, uh, you know, he's been better. I think than he has been the last couple of years, but it's also far from his best, even as a shark, I think. Last thing I'll ask about the sharks and then we can move on. How is life? Post Martin Jones. It's pretty great, actually. It's pretty great. Um, Aiden Hill's been okay. James Reimer's been unbelievable. So unbelievable uh, good. Yeah, no, he's he's been he's been really good. He's been really yeah. solid. Uh, you know, is he your goalie yeah. one right now? Reimer? Um, I think they want to make Aiden Hill goalie number one, but um, I think that also kind of tells you something that when half the team's out that they roll with the vet. Yeah. So. Yeah. Is I guess how old is Aiden Hill? Is he the goalie of the future? I think they want him to be. They gave up a second round pick to get him, so there's oh. kind of that extra pressure to be that. But he he's 25, which is really young in terms of goalies. Yeah. Well, yeah. So uh, how's I like- mean he's <laughs> he's not Carter Hart young, but he's pretty oh. young. Yeah. Um. How's life with Martin Jones? actually not bad <laughs> he's he's two and oh and has a save percentage of like above 940 or something ridiculous um i haven't looked at his goal saved above expected because he's only played two games but um uh, not too bad he looks decent in the preseason he looked bad uh in the regular season he's looked actually pretty good well, good. Um, so, see how long it lasts. <laughs> we'll see. 
because I know with Carter Hart, we're going to have to depend on him for like 20, 25 games. Probably maybe that might be too low. 25 to 30 games or so. Gotcha. Um, so, okay. So what surprising start are you, are you buying in on? Like, how do, how do you feel about Edmonton? Um, I like, I mean, you can't, how can you pick against Edmonton with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl? Like they seem to have the talent there. Um, will, will they have this explosive start last? Probably not, but I would say the same for the flames. Um, I think I'm more in on Edmonton than I am on the flames. That would be where I'm at. <laughs> uh, for one, uh, the Oilers have the greatest player on the face of the planet. Yes. Um, and the Calgary flames do not. Um, They've, but they do have um, future flyer, Johnny Goudreau. That is, um, <laughs> it's true. Though if the, <laughs> if the start keeps up, maybe not. But yeah, I mean, like both teams are doing pretty well possession wise. Um, actually, it's really more so the flames. But um, like the Flames, I think, have one of the highest Corsi 4 percentages in the league at 5 on 5. They're over 50%. Actually, almost at 53% in terms of expected goals for. Um, but like, you know, to me, the Oilers are a team that's like, you know, I kind of expect them to be a team that is playing with fire all the time because, I mean, <laughs> like one there, sorry, <laughs> um, did not mean to do that. But, like, their team is just, like, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. And then when they're off the ice, just, works. like, cross your fingers and hope for the best. Which, you like, you can kind of get away with yeah. when Connor McDavid is putting up 16 points in seven games. Like, that's... <laughs> that's insane. The thing with Connor McDavid is that there's no such thing as unsustainably good with him. I just, I just refuse to believe in, like, that sort of thing. And that power play, too. Yeah, exactly. Got to be helping them. Like, if they can keep that power play going, I don't know if they will or not. Because again, it is early, and we're going to say that with everything that we talk about it about how early it is. But um, if you have the best power play in the league or one of the best power plays in the league, that will certainly help you get through your depth issues. Yeah, I mean, again, their defense is pretty horrible. <laughs> But um, all I ask yeah. is Connor McDavid and three NHL caliber defensemen. Yeah, you would think that, but no dice. Um, okay, so um, how do you feel about Buffalo? Is my question. Selling. Yeah, I was. I, I like. I like this Selling. idea like, of like being able to sell Buffalo stock as if like you had any Buffalo stock. Someone, to begin someone's with. buying. No, as if you even had Buffalo stock to begin with. It's all in that like, yacht. <laughs> like, I mean, like, honestly, like, good for them. You know? Yeah, they're getting wins. Good for those fans. I, those fans deserve some wins. I, I would drop the Sabres in the same category as where I was with the Sharks in the preseason, where I'm like, the best possible outcome is that you have a bunch of young players play well, and you still manage to lose a bunch of games. And well, but the you Sharks win the lottery. To win those games. Um, problem is, is that like 
the Sabres are, it's not like they're getting, or it's not like they're goalieing their way into, into wins, right? They're playing decently well at 5-1-5, and it's kind of scary to me. Have you considered that there's still Buffalo? Yeah, but... There's you still have... the Buffalo Sabres. That has to be in consideration. Right, but if you told me at the beginning of the year, hey, uh, through eight games or whatever, seven games, uh, the Sabres are going to have a higher expected goals for percentage at 5 on 5 than um, the Sharks, the Canadians, and uh, the Islanders, and the, and the Knights, I'd be like, no, that's not right. Like, they're not that far off. Like, they pretty much have the same expected goals for percentage as the Lightning. Where are you? You mentioned the Knights. Where are you on the Knights? Are they bad? Because um, I, I, I haven't been able to watch that many Knights games, but are they bad? I think it's... Well, They've managed to fluke their way into a couple of victories, but like their five on five numbers are pretty horrendous. And like, I get that's what's going to happen when like your best players are hurt. I get it. But at the same time, like you've got a healthy Alex Petrangelo and you're playing like the worst team defense in the NHL right now. Like that's not just um, not good. Like, that's not just, I think, Pacioretty and Mark Stone being out hurt. Like, that's that's something else. And, um, you know, again, like, everybody has injuries. Um, you know, some teams are worse than others. Some teams are the Penguins. But, like, the Penguins have managed to, you know, like, put up a fight, <laughs> at least. I, I, I look... I never understand how the Penguins do it when they are down to like, at least now they have Sidney Crosby back. So now it's Sidney Crosby and his pet rocks. But for a while, it was just the pet rocks and it was not going great, but still like at a manageable level where you could see when they get healthy, the Penguins rebounding from it. And I don't understand how they just are successful no matter who is on their roster. It just, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, it just, I mean, not only were the Penguins like down people and winning, like for the most part, they were playing pretty well too, which doesn't make sense. So yeah, I think for me, it's, you know, let's see how Vegas does with people out. And once they get players back, if they're still playing this poorly, that's a bad sign. Though they could just blow the whole thing up and trade for Jack Eichel. So, who knows? Still, still wouldn't help their defensive issues. A, but <laughs> that would be a very Vegas move to just. Yeah, we don't need these players. We want Jack Eichel. Yeah, like, um. So on evolving hockey right now, just to tell you like how bad Vegas is defensively right now. Uh, the thirty-first team and expected goals against per sixty is the Ducks at 2.9. The Golden Knights are at 3.4. Like, that's a big gap. Yeah. So, anyway. Um, let's do one more before we wrap up. How about that? Okay. How do you feel about Detroit? Um, I don't... I'm not buying them right now. 
I, I totally understand. I just, but I, I can't, I can't wrap my mind around a good Detroit Red Wings at the moment. I will um, say that uh, that video of them blocking like seven shots in the span of 30 <laughs> seconds is one of the most inspiring things I've ever seen. So are you ready to run through a brick wall? Yeah, exactly. That was, that was a pretty unbelievable sequence. They still lost that game, unfortunately, which is really sad, but yeah, it's pretty, pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, I would say not in on the Red Wings yet. Although Steve Eisenman is on the case. You know, I think this was kind of the year that the Red Wings needed to at least show some sign of life. Yeah. Some proof of concept, if you will. Yeah. Like, I don't think anybody expected like playoffs out of them. Um, but it's really got to help to see a guy like Lucas Raymond just like pop off yeah. uh, to start off the year to get that kind of production out of a young guy is really really good for them so i'm happy to see that yep but yeah they i really know. don't have that much to say about the red wings <laughs> i haven't again haven't yeah. watched that many red wings games yeah That's but east. Uh, hashtag east Coast. all right uh fine we'll go one more uh carolina they're eight no and no to start the year oh. 16 points they're outscoring opponents 33 to 12 um it's not really so much a buy sell thing it's just i don't know tell me how you feel <laughs> I think they are good. I don't think they're this good, but they're definitely a playoff team. Um, I do. So my assessment of this team is true talent-wise, they are worse than they were before the offseason, particularly with the departure of Dougie Hamilton. But um, So I don't think that they'll keep this going, whatever this is. Um, but I do think that they're a good team. So I, mean, I guess if we're going buy sell, I'm buying. But right now they're rocking a 105.6 PDO at five on five. Is that good? <laughs> well, hundreds average. <laughs> so at some point that's going to come back down. Um, oh. Yeah. So basically they're um, shooting the lights out, and their goalies are a brick wall. So um, at some point that's going to come back down. But really helping matters is that, like they're just flattening teams at five one five like they're just being they're being the hurricanes <laughs> yeah basically um so I, I don't doubt that they'll still be a good team moving forward it's just very funny to see the carolina hurricanes of all teams just like go on a pdo bender for once in their lives yeah, for once <laughs> like there's the no nerd, reason there's no the reason team decides to score goals yeah, like there's no reason that the Hurricanes should be having like a 960 save percentage at 515 right now, right? Like Freddie Anderson and um, Auntie Ronta like shouldn't be doing that. But here we Why are. Not? Yeah, I don't even know if Ronta's played yet. I think it's been Freddie Anderson. It's been Freddie Anderson for eight straight games. Yeah, like it's just been for half a, half a month. Yeah, it, it's they're off to a great start. Like, I don't know what else you want me to say. I mean, okay. Ronta played one game. He played against the Blackhawks, which yeah, easy win. But yeah. Um, anything else you want to talk about today? Well, if I can just briefly discuss the flyers. Um, sure. And by briefly, I mean, please don't start picking the flyers. If you didn't have them in your preseason rankings. Um, I want to be the underdog. 
Um, that seems to suit us very well when people don't pick the flyers and I'm already seeing um, like EJ Raddick from the NHL network pick the flyers in his top five for power rankings. I believe he, they were also in the top five for um, Jackie Redmond's power rankings. So yeah, I would like to be the underdog. That said, I am very excited with the way the flyers have started the season. Um, I think they have losses against the flames and the Panthers who both are off to fantastic starts and an overtime loss to the Canucks, which like that was game one. So like whatever, every other than that, they've won a bunch of games and they've been really exciting to watch. So I'm excited, but please keep things under the radar for now. It's way too early to start being the favorite. Thank you. So has this been a rebound year for Carter Hart? Um, how are you defining rebound year? Not being completely terrible. Then yes. I am not expecting him to be great. Um, he looks like he's at least going to be league average, which is all I ask for. Well, good. Because good. I think a league, I think league average goaltending gets this team into the playoffs, which they desperately need to make the playoffs this year. Um, because if they don't make the playoffs this year, I don't know exactly how to go up from where they are from just a roster standpoint. Um, so all of the, so there were different preseason rankings that had them seventh in the division and that infuriated me to no end. But at this point, please keep us as, as the underdog. Thank you. How's um, Ryan Ellis fitting in? Ryan Ellis, has only played a few games. So I don't really have an assessment on him at this point, just because he's missed a bunch. Um, I will say I love Cam Atkinson. And that is all. Isn't he like, I forget. Does he have like, like two points per game or something stupid? Yeah. So that entire that line of, uh, Faraby, Faraby, Brassard. By the way, Brassard being our second line center is actually working out a lot better than expected. Um, so Faraby, Faraby, Brassard, Atkinson is scoring at a ridiculous rate as our second line, um, and I believe Cam at- Atkinson is shooting at approximately a thousand percent, twenty six point one to be exact. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, approximately a thousand percent. I mean, that might as well um, be a thousand percent in the NHL. And and he's shooting anytime he touches the puck in the attacking zone, he's basically shooting and it's going in. So that's great. And I love Cam Atkinson. I don't expect that to last, but it is fun for now. You're telling me the um the eleven maybe, and a half percent shooter isn't going to shoot um twenty six point one percent the entire year? Probably not. <laughs> but right now he's the fan favorite and it's great. Well, good. I'm glad. Well, I want you to go enjoy your birthday. So let's wrap things Yay. up here. Um, you can follow some. Are you Facebook. saying I'm not enjoying my birthday by recording this podcast with you? No, I'm just saying you deserve some time to relax and, and, and hang out and That's watching fair. the Jags. Hopefully secure oh, the W. Oh, gosh. Um, Watch the Jags try to beat Geno Smith. Yeah. So uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at grit for 60 pod. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at bferrell 727 You can follow TC on Twitter at TC underscore 904. And um, yeah, um, you know, thank you for listening and have a good one.